Hello, family. You're tuned into The Real Rx, a platform created by five uniquely talented physicians with one main mission to educate and empower our communities to do and feel better. Here is where we have real talk about trending health topics and your problems or issues in health and even the healthcare system. We'll take you behind the brains of an ophthalmologist, family doctor, ER doctor, OBGYN, and healthcare advocate to discuss the real things that ail you. Join us for another episode of The Real Rx. We made it. We are so excited to be back on Facebook Live with you all. We have missed you. I hope that you have missed us too. Those of you who have been following us know, you know this is The Real Rx. We are a podcast. And so after our 10th episode, we transitioned from doing weekly Facebook Lives to going over to a purely podcast format. And um, so we have missed interacting with you all live. So we're really, really excited be back on Facebook Live. We told you all we'd be back, right? We told you we'd be back. So we are excited to be back tonight. So we have a very special episode tonight. Um, and it just, as you saw, it's titled Terror in America. And really tonight, we are going to be discussing gun violence and mass shootings and, and really the trauma, the psychological trauma that results. And we have a very special guest, as I'm sure that you all can see, and we will introduce her in just a moment. But you all are in for a treat tonight. So, you know, this is obviously a heavy topic, but it's something that we think is incredibly important. And, you know, we're really excited to be able to share this with you all in a live dialogue. So why don't we have the ladies of The Real Rx just introduce themselves. So we will start with Dr. Anika. Yay! Hello, everybody. We are live and in person. Good to see you. We've definitely missed you. My name is Dr. Anika, and I'm the vision doctor. I lead you through your eye exam so that you can see things more clearly because your vision will help decide your future. All right, excellent. Dr. San. Hey, it's Dr. San. It's your board-certified obstetrician gynecologist who's here to help guide pregnant women through their pregnancy, through their labor, through their delivery, and also through their postpartum, and also help moms achieve nirvana. Awesome. Dr. Felicia. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Felicia Sumner. I'm a board-certified family medicine doc and wellness strategist. I help exhausted yet amazing people uh, break through the matrix so they can be better, feel better, and do better. Incredible. And I am Dr. Nicole. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, a professional health advocate, and the CEO of Your GPS Doc. I help family caregivers do three things relieve overwhelm, reclaim their time, and ensure their loved ones receive appropriate and effective health care. Dr. Kimberly was living it up, enjoying some uh, very important me time on vacation, and unfortunately, she came back and is a little under the weather, so she will not be joining us today, and we miss her. We send her our well wishes, and I want to introduce our amazing special guest, Dr. Alana a trauma psychiatrist. So Dr. Alana is a board certified psychiatrist. She specializes in complex psychological trauma and the mental illnesses that result from that. And I'm just going to give her a moment to, you know, say in her own words to introduce herself to the Real Rx family. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Alana, trauma psychiatrist. Um, my goal is to help people to better understand their brain, their body, and basically the invisible parts of you that you can't see. Uh, because when you understand your biology, then you can better understand how it affects how you think. And your thoughts help shape your emotions, and your emotions shape how you react to things. So if you can get your thoughts under control, you can get your emotions under control, which means you can get your actions under control, which means you can get your outcomes under control. Oh, I love that. I love that. Go ahead, Dr. Lana. <laughs> love it. Love it. Thank you, Dr. Lana. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm sure that you are going to really add to this discussion. 
So I just wanted to start out with a few statistics. And, you know, we all know that this is a horrible problem, but I must acknowledge that as I was reading it, I mean, my heart was literally breaking. So in the United States, did you all know that an average of 36,000 people are killed by guns every single year? 36,000. And then an additional 100,000 are injured by gun violence, okay? And the reason that we're talking about this today on The Real Rx is that we feel that gun violence is a public health problem. And those of you who have followed this story in the news, you know, you probably have heard there's, some, there's been some debate between the medical community and the political community and, you know, the NRA, and we may have time to get into some of this a little bit later, but, you know, this really is a public health crisis, a public health emergency. And, and as we're going to talk about, Dr. Lana is going to shed some light, um, you know, this, this stretches into our, our mental health and our physical health. And so that's why we thought that it was so important. And unfortunately, it's somewhat of a timely topic because, you know, we've already had just in the month of August, multiple uh, mass shootings in our country. And so we really wanted to, you know, address that with you all. As always, please engage with us during this Facebook Live. If you all have questions, if you have comments, anything at all that you'd like to contribute to the discussion, please just drop that below in the comments and we will do our best to acknowledge those during this live discussion, okay? So the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get started is I wasn't aware that apparently there's some controversy around the definition of mass shootings and there are multiple uh, versions. There's multiple definitions depending on which society, depending on which agency. So some people define a mass shooting as uh, at least four victims or more. Some people describe, the FBI describes it as three or more people and actual deaths, not including the suspect. So as you guys know, a lot of times when we have these mass shootings, the suspect uh, is often you know, killed in the process or sometimes they kill themselves. But formally, most agencies don't include that person when they're uh, defining a mass shooting. So I wasn't aware of that as, as, at all. But as of August 18th of this year, there have already been 273 mass shootings in the United States. If you use the FBI's definition of uh, you know, three or more victims. So, I mean, I was just flabbergasted by that. 273 in the year, you know, we're like, what, three-fourths of the way through um, this year. So I guess, you know, what I wanted to start with is to just really um, get, like Dr. Lana, as a trauma psychiatrist, if you can help us to begin to understand the impact that these mass shootings have really on all of us and on our psyche, you know, because we watch the news, and, you know, we see these things. Some of us don't even like to watch the news anymore because of the trauma and because of the emotions that come up. But how is this impacting our society? Well, um, that's a huge question. <laughs> uh, the answer is it ain't good. <laughs> it's not good. You just start with that. So, um, I think the first thing that we have to start with is a basis of understanding how our world is even designed, right? Like all of us are floating around on earth and there is a shared reality that we all can agree exists when we interact with each other, but every single human processing and experiencing the world through only their brain's perception of that information, okay? So first of all, we're all in this invisible bubble of perception, like a spacesuit helmet, okay? And the way that we perceive information and the conclusions that we draw are based on just our, our life experiences, what someone has taught us to conclude about what's going on in it. So we each have a very um, subjective, very personalized, version of reality that is different than other people's right have you ever had a conversation with other people and like you walk away you you thought you had the same conversation but you got two completely different meanings from it yes. right so we are all having these experiences sort of assuming that the other people are experiencing things the exact same way that we are but that's not true we're all experiencing our own little bubble of perception 
So the first thing that we have to understand is that we've never been taught about this brain and how it perceives information. And even I, as a psychiatrist, in the last few years have had a major shift in how I think about mental health and mental illness because uh, as a trauma specialist, I remember sort of being like, okay, I, I see trauma in these patients and now, you know, that I understand these patterns and these, these thought processes, now I'm seeing it in my family, I'm seeing it in my friends, I'm seeing it in my colleague, ooh, mm -hmm. ooh, see it in me, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then when you really started, when I really started paying attention to trauma in a different way, I had to redefine what I even call trauma, right, because we're taught that there's this bar that's way up here that, you know, um, when people think about trauma, they think about military veterans, they think mm -hmm. about war, they think about, you know, victims of, of interpersonal violence, maybe sexual assault, but there are so many things that are traumatic that we experience, um, that, that uh, the hurricanes and natural disasters, those natural disasters affect so many people at one time that they actually create the largest bulk of our traumas. But of course, gun violence, especially in America, is the most prevalent trauma that we're having right now. So you could only imagine that if uh, people are experiencing uh, so, so much gun violence and so much fear, that it changes the way we walk around in our everyday life, right? Yes. So I, I know um, recently here in Houston, they had a, a young man who, who came into a mall and had on a mask and yelled something strange and started a stampede. People were injured trying to get free because, you know, we react differently now to situations uh, because we've had so many of these shootings. So everyone is more on edge right now because of these mass shootings that are occurring. And I see here so many times that people go, what is wrong with people? And I'm like, trauma, 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 trauma. Every person has experienced and is experiencing these traumatic situations. And it's programming our brains to focus even more on trauma and fear-based things. But that also magnifies um, magnifies how you experience the world as you walk around and makes it feel more extreme on the inside. I hope that makes sense. That does. I absolutely can appreciate what you're saying because I'm not usually, I'm going to use this word, I'm not usually a hypervigilant person is what I'll say, but um, I went to the movies with my husband about two weeks ago for a date night. And one of the first things I did, he'd chosen seats kind of high up. One of the first things I did was, let me find this exit in case somebody- I do that too. Yeah. And I never used to be that way, but I absolutely was like, okay, this is the exit. I can get yeah. there this way or that way. And I've never been that way before, but now it's, I feel like I'm, I stay on high alert. I feel like that I stay on high alert. I read something as we were preparing to, for this discussion and it said something about people really like things to be predictable. We like for, that's we like to look forward to four seasons. We like to look forward to a, our work day or our day at home um, consisting of things that are predictable and consistent. And I feel like to a fault, I'm that way. A lot of us are type A and that consistency yeah. is what we thrive on. But I also realize now that it also makes us a lot more prone to being anxious because we can't control everything. Mm -hmm. That is so true. Yeah, I, I, I'm also hyper vigilant now, especially if I'm you know, like with my family um, and I have older kids, but you know, you that maternal instinct just never goes away. And you're right, I find myself looking for exits. I also find myself watching people a lot more. You know, if I see somebody putting their hands in their pocket or picking up a bag even, you know, a book bag or a backpack. I just find myself really trying to, you know, keep my eye on them to see, okay, what are they about to do? And, you know, five, 10 years ago, that I, that never would have even crossed my mind. Sure. So one of the, so one of the things that you guys are experiencing is one of the primitive brain systems that I teach people about, and that's your RAS, your reticular activating system. So I remember sure that. 
One medical school lecture. I remember it. I think. <laughs> does anybody remember what the RAS does? I'm 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 a pimp. Uh, go yeah, ahead, Mama Stan. You lost it. <laughs> I just remember the word. Okay. Doctor Alana, don't take us all the way back there. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm tell the the interesting part about it, and and this is, I mean, if I could just stand on my head and scream this. Uh, and everybody, you know, understood it, I would just retire and, and live in peace on an island somewhere. <laughs> we have six primitive brain systems that are so powerfully uh, making our decisions for us that we, uh, we I, I really tell people like the, we're, we're primitive. This is the, our issue, what's going on out there is that we're primitive. And those primitive brain systems are creating very powerful interpretations of what's going on with each other. And we are allowing our perception to uh, dictate how we interact with each other versus we have our prefrontal cortex. You ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. yes. right. yeah. Okay, all right, yes. <laughs> right here, just rub on it, it's right there, oh yes. <laughs> Your prefrontal cortex, that's, that's the most evolved part of our brain. That's our wide brain. That's our CEO. That's the, that's the part of our brain that can calculate decisions, look at things beyond just that knee-jerk interpretation, but really look at, step back and look at things from a different perspective, help us know what to pay attention to, help us calculate short and long-term decision decision-making. Your prefrontal cortex is the ish. It's beautiful, but we don't use it. We only yeah. use 10 to 15% of the capacity of our prefrontal cortex. Crazy. Which is so crazy. And that's educated folks. I use about 50%. But <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the interesting part about it, what I found was that um, because we don't actually understand what these brain systems are doing, we don't realize how much they affect our perception. So let me give you the example. The RAS is like, uh, that's the part of your brain that, it, have you ever gone to buy a car or you decided you wanted a car and then all of a sudden it started popping up all over the road and you were like, oh, did everybody go buy my car? That's my life right now. That's my, that's my life right now. That's my, like every car that I said, I'm like, I really want this car. And I'm like, ain't that the car I was just thinking about? You're right. Yes. That's very true. Yes. That's very true. So that, that little brain system that they mentioned in medical school is part, is basically an invisible filter that helps decide what's going to come into your conscious mind and what's going to get filtered out. And once Is it kind of like Facebook? Like Facebook Big Brother? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, your brain has an algorithm <laughs> that gets programmed that helps decide what you're going to pay attention to and what's going to stay in your background of your mind. Well, here's the thing. Does that with trauma as well? So when you have experienced a trauma or when someone close to you or someone important to you or something has happened to you personally, right, it's even more strongly programmed for your, your body and your brain to be aware of. So we're all a bit hypervigilant when we're walking around, but imagine the people who actually have gone through these shootings and how mm -hmm. their minds are really calculating, like seeing all these people who are possibly suspect, right? Because your brain is trying to make sure that it stays in the trauma. So it's letting all of that through your filter in order for your, your, uh, your, you know, the rest of your brain to process. Well, the problem with that is that when you don't know you have a RAS, you just think those cars are popping up all over the road because God wants you to own that car and you don't have that not, car. Oh my God, you want me to get that Mercedes. That's exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. You want me to get the Mercedes? I'm going to get it. <laughs> it's like, okay, Lord. Okay. Oh. Girl, you just messed up so many critical belief systems, girl. Yeah, that, that's really where my girl. This is wow. 
Because, okay. wow. That's I didn't all. go that far in medical You're school. so right. Right, right, Dr. Felicia. You're not, I'm telling you, that's a, I'm like, look at all those Audis. God is trying to tell me <laughs> my next car. <laughs> I swear I do that all day. I do that all day. Well, that's not God. Okay. <laughs> well, it, you know, I say, I say, I personally believe that God designed us. So I believe that that's God. But so get that out. maybe the I way that you. most of us it, interpret it. So understanding that you have a part of your brain that is that is sending certain things through and other things not. Now think about people who have experienced a lot of trauma and how their brain is going to be perceiving, interpreting, and sometimes creating trauma that's not there. Right. Ooh. So the person mm -hmm. goes that you've been uh, you've been assaulted before. You go to the grocery store, you're in there trying to do your shopping, but somebody's walking just a little too close behind you. Oh, they bump into you like, oh my God, they're, they're you know, panic attack. I'm being attacked again. They're, your brain is interpreting this as the recreation of the previous trauma. And then lady and so with the second brain. little boy in the store, you know that with that, oh, she said, that lady in, I think it was in New York, she had a backpack, or the little boy had a backpack on, and his oh, backpack. Oh, I remember was that. Her. And she said that he touched her butt. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. her history is, but, you know, situations like that, I see what you mean. Exactly. Yeah. So we all are filtering each other through this lens of suspicion and trauma based on what we're concerned about and what we have already experienced. And that causes us to mis misinterpret. And here's here's another part of your brain system. The second one, your amygdala, right? Remember your amygdala? I remember that word. That one I remember. Emotion. Okay. All right. Right. So your amygdala is this little almond-shaped part, right? in this kind of center of your brain. And its job is basically to create the emotions directly proportional to what you believe is mm. happening in your bubble of perception, right? So if 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 you're uh, in the store and you see somebody reaching in their bag and your RAS has caught that attention and you're thinking, uh, you're, you're thinking, okay, I gotta run, I gotta get out of here. Your amygdala is like, girl, you in danger, you better run. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you dro drop, drop your basket, you're out in the in the, the parking lot having a panic attack thinking, whoo, uh, you know, this store is really unsafe. I don't like going to the store. I don't want to do it. Now, nothing happened right. necessarily, but to that individual, they have just had a terror, terrorizing, fearful, painful experience that was generated by the way they were interpreting or perceiving what was ha happening in their environment. Wow. So Dr. Alana, a question. Are we vic uh, vicariously experiencing some of these mass shootings because the media has mm -hmm. stories everywhere? Are we becoming so empathetic and so drawn in because it is everywhere? It's on our social media feeds. It is on the news. It is on the radio. Is that pulling us in and creating this kind of, um, I guess it's a, an unfounded fear that some of us are having at this point when we go into very crowded places. Well, yes. So, and, and my, my connection is a little glitchy. So if it breaks up, absolutely. Uh -oh. Yes, yes you're, you're absolutely correct that we are having secondhand exposure to trauma by being in a sensationalized, over-dramatized way that skews our perception of reality, but there is, I wouldn't say unfounded fears, because certainly there is a reason to be concerned right now, because it does seem like humans are losing their minds, right? right. Yeah. Right. To a certain extent, I'm saying we are losing our minds because we actually, like, how can you control a machine that you haven't been taught the buttons, you know, like most people have never learned about emotions. We right. have not had healthy conversations about, yes, you're going to feel emotions because you have an amygdala and it never stops working. And if you're not feeling your emotions, that means you're having negative emotions that are, are, are coming out sideways 
on the people around you and you're probably angry, depressed, numb, irritable. So we actually really have to have a honest conversation about our emotions in order to even understand where, where they're coming from. But again, y'all, we, we're physicians. I was a psychiatrist and I had never been taught to really think about what these brain systems are actually doing in our perception of reality. And when I did, it changed my whole understanding of people's behaviors and what, they, what we can do to actually get out of this trauma cycle. Well, Dr. Alana, I know one thing that I wanted to ask, because one thing like from a personal experience, and even my husband, he pointed out to me recently, is I, for one, don't, I've never dealt with different traumas um, that was in my life. And the, the biggest two that happened to me was one, my brother was killed in a car accident um, when he was 20 years old back in 2008. And so I never really processed that. I remember the moment that it happened, the moment that I got the phone call, and immediately my mind went to protect my parents. Like it was immediate. It wasn't deal with my, you know, my feelings and my emotions. It was immediately, where's my mom? Where's my dad? Where are my two younger siblings? And so I've always kind of dealt with, you know, that trauma. And I, I think that I never actually said, saying, how do you deal with it? And then a couple of years later, you know, I still feel that my dad died of a broken heart from my brother dying because my brother was junior. He was a namesake. And so then he died two years later. So here's this trauma reintroduced again. And the day that I got called about my dad, it was, um, I was my second year of residency. And it was literally my mom called and she was crying. And she was like, your dad just passed. And I was like, okay, well, let me run and do this C-section real quick. And I went and did a C-section. Like, I didn't process it. It was literally, your dad died. Okay, well, I got to go through the C-section, so I'll deal with this later. And I never really dealt with it. And so, like, that's what, and, you know, like, my husband is saying that it's starting to kind of show itself now. And I find that I am very, because, you know, my dad and my brother, they meant the world to me. So it's like, it's hard for me to let people really in. Um, I've always been an introvert. I've always been very introverted. But my husband is just like, it's been turned up a notch because I feel like due to that trauma, I feel like I don't want to let people into my life that could, for whatever reason, leave. Because, I mean, they left so traumatically. It was literally one day I was talking to my brother. We were joking and kidding about uh, April's Fool's Day joke. And the next day, you know, I'm getting a phone call saying, your brother's dead. And I'm like, who? I thought it was still an April Fool's Day joke. Wow. And so that's the one thing. So, and I, I'm saying that to say, um, to go into, like, because you were talking about how we don't deal with emotion. And I remember telling people, what happened with my brother. And the first thing um, that a lot of people said um, was, well, you know, don't worry about it. You know, don't cry, don't be upset because God got you, it was God's plan. And that was another way that, you know, it was kind of like suppress those emotions. Like, yeah, you know, don't cry too much or either, you know, cry for a day, but after that, girl, you got to pick yourself up and you got to keep going. You know, God's got your back. God wouldn't do anything. You know, God doesn't make any mistakes. And so, like, have you felt like as a psychiatrist that like religion has even suppressed some of our emotions? Because I remember feeling kind of hurt. I was like, well, why can't I, you know, cry or fall out or scream or be angry? Because at one point yeah. I was so angry with God, I wouldn't even talk to him. Like you would bring up God's name and I'm like, I'm not hearing it. Like that is how angry I was that I felt that God took my brother and then my dad. And so mm -hmm. like how... So you're talking about suppression and we don't know how to deal, excuse me, emotionally, we don't know how to deal with it. Do you find that that's a reason why? Like, because people are telling you don't have it, don't have it at all. Like, you know, God's got it, you know, go on and continue to be happy. Well, um, one, let me say um, thank you for sharing that. This is not easy to talk about our traumas. And, um, you know, it's I, I tell people discussing your traumatic experiences is, is healing, but it's painful. And, you know, those, uh, it often makes emotions well up because we're thinking about things and we don't like pain, right? Like there's one thing that humans do not like, right, is pain. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And I want to also point out that invalidation is what you experience. And invalidation is when other people tell you that you're reacting reality is not real or that you should feel a different way other than you feel or that you uh you know you're telling them something they're saying no uh feel different 
or you should think of it this way or that way. And that is painful. It's actually a trauma. So whereas I used to think that the, the, the bar for trauma is way up here, the bar for trauma is way down here. And it, it's on a dial. It's not a light switch. So something that most people think is relatively small, think of invalidation can be like death by a thousand cuts. I'm telling you that this hurts me, this bothers me, that I'm sad, that I'm angry, and you're telling me, oh, don't feel that way about it. And, or if you just prayed about it, or you know, uh, you you won't be, you wouldn't feel this depressed if you really have faith. You know, um, I definitely think that there's a lot of invalidating traumatic messages in the way that we've been taught um, to, to utilize our religious beliefs. So, you know, going to the core of that, one thing that's common uh, in humanity across all eras of human on earth is that whatever we believe, we make true. Hmm. Let me say that again. Yeah. That back. <laughs> yeah. What you believe in your bubble of perception is what you operate on. That's your baseline for this is what it should be. So just think about how all of us are physicians. Have you ever seen in any book where crying is bad or means broken or means something is wrong? Is that in any of these? Okay, all right. So think about that. It is a natural thing that our body does when we feel emotions that are intense, that we release uh, tears of pain, we would be sometimes tears of joy, mm -hmm. but they're just, just even the basic myths of like, I'm crying, I feel sad, and people, because they feel uncomfortable seeing another person have intense emotions, like, mm -hmm. ooh, 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 you shouldn't feel that way, feel this way, um, <laughs> you know, switch it up here, because my, my, I believe that you should feel and think a certain way, so I'm going to impose my belief system and my thought process on you and we have learned such dysfunctional messages about what our body naturally does that a lot of times we interpret it as the devil as uh sometimes we blame it on god look but folks be blaming god and the devil at the same time like okay the person got hit by the drunk driver that was the devil but then god took it. i'm like well, who, what you know it, 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 <laughs> when you really understand these biological systems, and that's that's why this was mind blowing for me to recognize these systems, like the uh, the somatosensory cortex. That's the part of your brain that processes pain, and it processes emotional and physical pain the exact same way. It doesn't distinguish. So if you were being poked with a pen or your foot was on a hot coal, your your it would send a pain signal and it'd be like, something's bad here. Move your foot before it falls off, right? <laughs> it's the same thing with our emotions, right? Like there's a reason that the term feelings hurt actually exists, mm -hmm. but we act like that's like something imaginary. No, wow. your body is experiencing an internal pain signal and it does not distinguish uh, all the way from mild to severe. It does not distinguish between somebody slapping you physically or somebody slapping you verbally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, all the same thing. So you see what I'm saying? Like we, we shy away from painful things, which means we don't process them. We, and in medicine in particular, we've been taught like, hey, you can't react to everything. You got to handle business and get through it. And so we just go to work handling business. And that means that we, we bypass a, a real processing of the emotions and the pain that could help us be able to move forward uh, in a different way. Wow. Well, you, wow. This is deep. This that's I feel like yes. five more episodes with you. I feel like I just want to like lay out on my couch. Like I've been looking for a psychiatrist, but I'm just going <laughs> to take a moment to be, I, you can build my insurance. This is girl. Build, okay. This is so healing. Like this is it like, is. my brain is like, oh my God. Like yeah. this is. This yeah. is like wow. this revelation after revelation. I do want to, you know, as, as a pediatrician and as a mom, as I'm hearing you talk about, you know, these primitive brain systems, and as you're talking about how even we as adults struggle to process this information and how it's impacting our psyche, I can't help 
but to think about the babies, to think about the kids. And so, you know, I want to talk, I want to have Dr. Felicia weigh in as the mom of young children. And then I want to follow that, Dr. Alana, with, with your insight about, you know, toxic stress and just, you know, how these events, not, you know, the mass shootings, but just all of the other trauma, how is this affecting our kids' brains? And, you know, it's one thing for a 30, 40, 50-year-old adult to experience these things, and, but for a child whose brain is still developing, I mean, it's just, it's very scary. So Dr. Felicia, as the mom of two beautiful daughters, why don't you share, you know, how, how does this impact you, these, the, the news and the shootings and all the violence and trauma, you know, er, has it impacted how you parent your daughters? Um, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I'd um, love to compare to Dr. Sand because she has young kids as well. Uh, but to be quite frank, we shield our kids significantly um, from what's going on in the real world, per se. When my husband and I happen to turn on CNN or MSNBC or whatever it is, and we hear about another mass shooting or, you know, some melanated man being shot down or whatever the case may be, uh, we often don't discuss it around our young kids. Um, the greatest impact it has on them is somewhat in the periphery. Uh, my daughter is, my oldest daughter is five, and so she has picked up some things about our impressions of color and the cops and guns, etc. cetera. Um, but in general, uh, the greatest uh, impact it's had on them is probably our PTSD related to all these things. You know, our behavior when, you know, we are in a movie theater and checking the exits and holding on to them tightly or going in the mall and, you know, looking in all directions or, you know, driving past, uh, getting stopped by a policeman and, you know, being very hyper vigilant about that interaction, things like that. Um, they probably notice our behavior to some extent or are affected by our behavior. But in general, um, to be quite frank, I don't typically, um, I don't typically force the topic with them or confront it head on at this point. And I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know when I will. I mean, they, they know that guns are bad. Stay away from guns. If you see anyone with a gun, find a way to tell mommy about it, mommy and daddy about it right away. Um, you know, that's not something that we want to expose them to at this point in their lives, but that's as far as it's gone. Yeah. So what advice do you have, Dr. Alana, for, for moms and dads out here who, like Dr. Felicia said, I mean, most of us do want to shield our, our children from this. I know many households, they don't even turn on the TV anymore, and they definitely don't watch the news um, around their children. But what, what advice can you offer for those of us who are parents, um, you know, to, and, and how can we protect our children? Sure. Um, do protect you know, yeah, also, well, um, I, think, I think you do protect them. Um, I think it is important to shield them from, uh, first of all, shield yourself from the news. Let's start with, with the parents. Yeah. Um, I do not watch much news anymore. I read my yeah. news. Uh, you get more factual information and you get less of the sensationalized opinion mm -hmm. of other people about a topic because that's how you end up uh, on, with talking points versus actually real understanding of the, the, the deeper issues. So I would recommend that people get back to reading your news, whether you uh, get paper, newspapers, or if you read articles, um, you know, the Apple devices have a news feature. Almost all the devices have a news feature, but read things from a broad perspective and read things from multiple news outlets to compare that information so that you can um, actually have a more balanced perspective of what's actually going on. Um, because again, remember, if you're thinking in a, um, so I say trauma causes thinking. I use acronyms all the time because, you know, it helps people remember. So Edish is S, subjective, H, harsh, I, intense, T, terrorizing, 2, T, to yourself, 
the why yourself. Mm-hmm. I say it just like yourself. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> try, you know, there is lot there is lots of Swedish thinking and you like you can hear when people are talking and speaking from that just, you know, fear-driven, anger-driven, negative-driven space. I call it red thinking, red, like, you know, it grates against your spirit, you know, um, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're hearing those things and when you're thinking those thoughts. So the first thing is turn off some of that negative input, right? And start trying to process things and uh, I use D-O-N-E, that's being done with trauma thinking, descriptive, objective, non-judgmental, and effective thinking, D-O-N-E, descriptive, objective, non-judgmental, and effective thinking. So an example of that might be um, you're watching the news and, there, and, and you see um, another police shooting and you're like, oh, they're killing all of us, you know? And that sets off a reaction in your body, right? You're, you're going to feel the actual equivalent of what it feels like when you're telling yourself, I am under threat and that, you know, I could go somewhere tomorrow and be killed, which technically that's true, but we have a tendency to treat our feelings as if they're fact, right? The fact is, statistically, like from a, a, a statistical standpoint, most of us are relatively safe. Right. And even with all of these shootings and stuff going on, we are actually more, more safe than, than we've been in a long time in this country, but we don't feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, the statistics don't line up to how we're experiencing things, but that's in part because we're getting so much inflammatory, heatish mm-hmm. input about each other and how uh, uh, our interpretation of the other person. Like if they don't agree with my perspective or my reality, then we're right, 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 you know, um, demonstrating very poor communication skills, poor emotion regulation. So um, the going back to the question about kids, I would definitely recommend that you, I would, I don't even watch the news in front of my kids. If it's, if I watch it after they go to bed, if I want to check in on something, but I really keep that away from them. I will talk about things that, that I think are specifically relevant to them. Like mm-hmm. I may see something about a child shooting a sibling and then I may say, okay, this is, you know, let's talk about guns or see something mm-hmm. about uh, a child being snatched or I'm not going to go, a child got snatched. You know, I don't want them hearing that constantly, but I can say, hey, when we go places, it's really important for you to stay close to me because there are people that try to take children from their parents. So I explain it to them very objectively, very calmly, and I just try to get them to understand how it relates to a behavior that they can take because that makes them feel empowered. Like most of us, what's happening is that we're looking at the world and we're going, what do we do? Like nobody, everybody's like, I don't know what, what the hell do I do at this point? Right. And so my answer to that is get to know how your brain is processing information and watch yourself carefully. If you work on fixing your own traumas and your own uh, reactions to things and how you are uh, 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 wrestling this animal, because you know, we all animals. If they told us you were animal, human, and spirit in medical school, they could have just let us go ahead. We'd have been, we'd been good. Right, like you have biology that dictates your psychology, and your psycho, your you are a spirit creature. You're creating things. It doesn't matter if you don't do or say something; they're still doing something. Action is still occurring, right? So we have not really been taught very well about how powerful our thoughts are, uh, how powerful they create individually, what we experience in our life and in our bodies and how we react to things. And we haven't been, we, we've never been taught to think about it. Like maybe my perception is not the whole thing. Maybe just, maybe I just have this piece of it. And that's where empathy, so one of my mottos is, trauma is a spiritual illness, empathy is cure. And empathy is the concept of switching places, not just shoes with another person, but really switching minds and perspectives with them in order to really understand 
where they're coming from and to see things outside of your little bubble of perception. So that's what parents actually have to do for their kids is actually learn how to control their own traumas and their own reactions, right? Because we have these things called mirror neurons, right? That's, that's the fifth system that I talk about. I know I skipped one, uh, but mirror neurons are your kids do, they, you, people do what you do, not what you say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know that, but mm-hmm. if you take a human being and you put them anywhere on earth and any time frame on earth, they will pick up the sounds of the environment. They'll pick up the, the, the words, the customs, eventually, just like you hear somebody say something and, and at first it's annoying to you, then all of a sudden you find yourself singing that song or saying yeah. that word, you're like, you can't get out my head, you know? <laughs> That's your that's your mirror neurons. And so we learn a lot of, uh, I, I think of it like the matrix where you plug that head and it's like, you know, your, your mirror neurons upload behavior. And so if the parents are acting um, more hypervigilant, they, they yell at you because you walked off two feet and they're, or they don't want to go places because they feel like it's dangerous or they're constantly staring at the news like, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. The kids are going to pick up on that because their brains are naturally going to absorb that behavior and then mirror it back to you. But you won't recognize it because it's coming out of a little body that don't, that, that is not yours. And you won't even realize that they're picking it up from clues in their environment. And that's, that's your job as a parent to really start watching your words watching how you say things and what you're silent, what you're, remember that your words are just one little bitty speck of communication. Your tone communicates mm-hmm. stuff, your facial expressions, your body posture, the, 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 the pattern of behaviors that you do, that communicates far more to other people than your words. So parents actually just, the main thing that I would tell them is watch yourself and wrestle your own anxieties and how you demonstrate them to like nothing wrong with walking in in the the room and knowing where the exits are right i tell my veterans this all the time because they're they're super hyper vigilant i'm like you're there's no such thing like you know when you're zero percent safe and there's really no such thing as a hundred percent safe yeah it's it's on a gradient, right? So to, to, to be able to still apply your logic of thinking about, is this a safe situation and assessing people's behavior, that's cool. But after you've done the assessment, you got to be able to turn down your amygdala or turn down some of these other, your RAS and be like, okay, thank you. You have made me aware now, but can't take over my whole family dinner, you know? So... <laughs> We, we give a lot of power to fear and we give a lot of energy to it. We give a lot of verbalization to the very things that we do not want to happen and then wonder why our powerful magical selves are creating hell on earth because you, you're thinking is thinking. <laughs> That's what it is. So it's, you know, as parents, we just really have to work on not allowing the, the hype to drive the way that we think and talk and respond to things. And that will help our children learn those same behaviors. That's a long answer. My bad, y'all. Ah, girl, you are just solid. I mean, I think Dr. Dr. I can't remember if it was Dr. Felicia. Somebody said we need to have a part two. And, and that is clear because- Three, four, and five. Yeah, because I mean, we, we really are at the end of our time and yet you know, I, I know I want more. I'm sure you ladies want more. I'm sure our audience wants more. So we're going to have to figure out a way to get you back on here and continue. Like, can we do like Trauma Thursday? Something, Lord have mercy. Just, I don't know if I can handle this every Thursday. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I do want to tell you guys that, so I am starting, um, I'm starting my process of putting this where people can, can get to it. So yes, I'm please. having a live event. Yes, I'm having a live event on October 26th in Houston, Texas, um, where uh, basically I, I'm going to hold them hostage all day, 8 to, 8 to 5.30, but I'm going to feed them. I'm going to right have music. Yes, yes, write it down, October 26th, um, sa- uh, Saturday, October 26th in Houston, Texas. I'm going to uh, break, it, break it down for you. The event is called The Trauma Cure. 
and understanding how your biology shapes your psychology. Love and, it. and you said October fourth, Doctor Doctor Lana. Twenty six. Twenty six. Thank you, Doctor Sam. Thank you, Doctor The trauma cure. Okay, I'm putting it in the comments right now. Can you drop the, the link? Cure. Is there a link for people to register or get more right. information? Yes. So, so the ticket. So again, I'm putting this all together, but you can find the ticket on uh, the trauma cure eventbrite.com. Okay. The trauma cure dot eventbrite.com and the early bird ticket is 397 and like I said it's going to be an all-day trauma workshop where we're going to have fun we're not you know most people when they think about trauma they're like oh my god you're going to have me to cry and I'm like <laughs> about these brain systems I'm going to teach you how they program how your traumas program and affect your thinking and your reactions and your perceptions. And then we're actively gonna do skills. My model is skills over pills. So I firmly believe every human being on earth can be healed from trauma when they understand how to control and use their, their prefrontal cortex. And it only happens when you're being intentional and using skills to really, you know, you, you gotta actually learn to, first of all, shut the, you know, sh <laughs> you know, pause for a minute and, and you know, I, I do use some salty language. I just want people I love to know this. I love it. I that's, like my, that's my love language. Like, it's my love language. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they need to know what they do. my love language. But we're going to, you know, I'm going to break down the skills that you need to basically wrestle yourself out of that fear thinking and really be able to engage empathetically with yourself and with other people. And that's really what's gonna uh, pull us out of this constant cycle of recreating these same, same sh <laughs> I don't understand, like you are the, you are the Dr. Phil that we need on TV. Literally, like, yes. Like you are just what we need every day in our house to kind of heal us. I, I just can't wait for somebody to pick you up and you have a TV show. Like I'm so happy right now. Somebody you so Oprah, I know you're watching. Right. Like Soul Sunday. Um, Don't Oprah do Soul Sundays or something like I'm not just saying this because like I totally love you and but this has been um, like an hour of just complete amazement. I just yeah. think that everybody awesome. needs you know, people. People want to do better. They want, but there it's hard for you to tell somebody just take this pill or just go to see your therapist every week, and they have no understanding of what's going on inside of them. They're yeah. much more prone to be compliant with therapy, with medication, when they understand this is an organic problem that we can fix with all these things we're working on this i mean i that is what's mind-blowing to me right now that's what i think is lacking in most psychiatrists and, and those relationships is they just write you out a script or they just tell you to go talk to the therapist but never get to this point where you understand this, right. this complicated thing here but i think another issue is which we actually touched on our last show is you know, no shade to the mid-levels, but this just seems like such a training, um, so, so specialized, because even you said as a psychiatrist, this is now something that you're even diving more into. So I just feel like these days, we don't have the psychiatrists. Like I'm in a small town and we only have a couple of psychiatrists, but we have every other day, somebody, an NP is popping up. They're like, oh, we now have this healing, you know, center. And you know, and then my patients, they come back to me and they're like, oh, all they did was give me these pills and, you know, they didn't really talk to me or I really want to talk about my postpartum depression, but they were telling me about this. So it, and I just feel like your field of psychiatrist, one, is lacking just psychiatrist, period, but just something as specialized as trauma. I, I think that that is just something that people really don't address. They just don't think back to where is this thinking come from? Why am I so anxious? Why am I now an introvert? Why am I feeling this way? And it's, if somebody just dives a little bit deeper and just realize, well, that trauma is there from this and you just never really addressed it. So I think that people not having proper training and everybody just popping up and just saying, well, I'm going to be a psych NP today. 
You know, yesterday I was ortho and pee, but now I'm psychic. And so, I'll say this, to, to be fair, to be fair, I had a really unique um, course through psychiatry, and I know we got to wrap up, so um, I'll make it quick, but I was, uh, I was at, been at the VA hospital my whole career, and the final uh, stages of that was three years on a unit where we gave basically smushed 12 months of uh, evidence-based treatments into one month. And we couldn't give pills when they got mad or when they got anxious or when they had nightmares or were spazzing out. We had to use skills. Like we had to have them hold ice and then they calmed down and then their, you know, better brain came back on. Like we had to have them, you know, we had to talk them through those uh, situations. And because the VA is always short staffed, I had to learn the psychologist's job. I had to learn the social worker's job. I had to learn some of the nurse's job. And so putting all these things together and then really God just leading me to a deeper understanding of these parts of the brain was how I got here. But this is not even really commonly taught in our residency programs. And then, I mean, th this really changes the structure of how we think about mental and emotional struggles because I truly believe that we've um, we've made these diagnoses and we've tried to lump things in categories from an external understanding of what's going on. So yeah. anyway, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter under Dr. Alana. I'll spell it for you because folks always be messing my name up. It's <laughs> D-R- and Alana is spelled A-L-A-U-N-A. -A -A. Don't forget the U. A-L-A-U-N-A. -A -A, trauma psychiatrist. And uh, like I said, on my Facebook platform, there's Trauma Thursdays. There's some videos on there that kind of break down these explanations. And there will be, uh, soon, there will be an online training opportunity where you can uh, get on and do an even deeper training about these brain systems and how to help other people because you can do this in primary care you can do you don't have to be a doctor at oh, all to great. learn these things Love as a matter of fact I, I want the mps and everybody else to know about their brain because it's making this nice. for you and if yes. you don't know that you have a ras and an amygdala and a somatosensory cortex and mirror neurons and driving your thinking you will be out there being primitive we're gonna have to mark this episode explicit because uh <laughs> but on that, that note doctor don't doctor don't put Lana. me on nothing if they if don't nobody if they tell me if they don't tell me i can't cuss i'm gonna cuss. <laughs> <laughs> well this, this has been no this has really been phenomenal we cannot thank you enough dr lana we are definitely going to have you back on a future episode um, this was just such a riveting conversation. I hope that you all um, got as much out of it as as we did. And I, I feel like Dr. Alana really just has, has really introduced us to a new paradigm of thinking about why we behave the way we do, why we think the way we do. And I mean, I know I'm just going to sit and reflect on this when we finish this. Uh -huh. um, but I think you've given us so many pearls and, and we just appreciate the knowledge that you dropped. So don't forget, Real RX family, that we are a podcast. You know, we, we wanted to come on again live tonight, but every single week you can catch us on your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Google, Anchor, Apple, all the podcast apps. So please, if you have not already, please go to your favorite podcast app, search for The Real RX, and go ahead and subscribe. Generally, our new episodes drop every Thursday. We have another episode that's going to uh, be released this Thursday, and then you'll get to hear this amazing episode on your podcast app next week. So if you haven't already done that, please go ahead and subscribe. Tell your friends, you know, we, we are really trying to talk about things that are timely and that are important to you and to the members of your family. So, um, you know, let's spread the word, tell other people about The Real Rx, and we hope that you all will continue to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram at the Real RX Media, and we look forward to doing this again. We will be back live at some point, um, but we will look forward to seeing you back here on Facebook Live in the near future. So again, Dr. Alana, thank you so much. Thanks to thank you so much. all the ladies of the Real RX. Our prayers are with Dr. Kimberly. We hope that she has a rapid recovery, and we look forward to her joining us 
next week. So guys, on that, we are going to wrap. You all have an amazing evening and an amazing rest of the week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.